Today, we are in our last of the series called Anxious for Nothing. This is number four. Uh, anxiety is the number one mental health problem in the world and in America in particular. And God's word has had a lot to say about it. We've been talking about that for the last four weeks. Uh, we've been glued to Philippians chapter four uh, to a passage there for three weeks, and we're gonna go there again today as well. We've already looked at the passage. We've looked in, in three different ways, through three different lenses. We've seen it as when you've had enough, like anxiety and worry comes, and there comes a time we go, I've had enough, what do you do? What are the reasons why that happens, and what do we do with them? We take them to God. Then uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about praying through the pain praying through the pain of worry and anxiety and troubles that we're going through. What do we do when we don't know what to do? We pray. We pray. And then last week, last week was so incredible to me, it was called uh, the praise perspective, which means we start looking at things through an earthly view and start looking at things through a heavenly view, through God's point of view. And that gives us praise and thanksgiving. And so today, we're gonna look at the, 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 cul uh, the culmination of all of it. We're gonna look at that great word that's the opposite of anxiety called peace. Peace, what a beautiful word, peace. Uh, let me read the text, okay, for us. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Peace, what a wonderful word. Peace is like a a cool drink of water when you're very thirsty in a dry land. Peace, just an incredible word. If you've ever taken trips to the ocean before, uh, maybe, maybe you've even gone down there during a storm or maybe you were there when a hurricane was coming in or whatever and you notice that sometimes the wind and the waves and the ocean can cause a storm to just be terrible like, like, like this picture will show. I mean, that's like, that's like a Cat 5 hurricane kind of wave. You know what I'm, I'm saying? That, that, kind of, that kind of destruction on the surface of the ocean can, can just be deadly to, to cities and to, to uh, seashores and to houses and everything. But do you realize that deep underneath that same ocean, all the way at the bottom, it's not like that. It's more like this. There could be a Cat 5 hurricane going on top, of the, on top of the water. But if you go all the way down to the bottom, you see those delicate little coral that just the smallest thing could make them break. And you see the little fishies just moving around, having a great time. You know why? Because at the depth of the ocean, the deepest part, there's a calm, there's a peace, in the same way, we can't avoid storms at the surface of life. It's true. 
while we're on this earth, this broken world, we're gonna have storms. The Bible says, in the world you will have tribulation. But can there be a deep part of us that's like the bottom of that ocean, that is a peace that passes understanding? Yes, that only happens in the depths of our soul, in the deepest part of us, when we deeply learn to trust God, and get this, and to really see how much he loves us. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's true. So I want to look at verse 7 again, okay? Let's just look at it one more time. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Let's, we're gonna slow down and we're gonna just, I like to call it a deep dive. Some of you know I'm familiar with that word. We're gonna take a deep dive into that one verse and take it apart and look at it a little at a time. Here's the first part. And the peace of God. I like that it starts with the word and because that connected it to everything else it just said about how we have to praise and we take it to God in prayer. And when we take things to God in prayer and start saying, God, I want to see things from your perspective and the peace of God can follow that. That's true. So it connects it to the last. But I like that, that the peace of God, God's peace. What is it? What is God's peace? What is it? Well, God's peace, the Greek word, means quietness and rest. That's what it means. That's what the word means, arene in, in the Greek language. Now, there are a lot of different kinds of peace in the world, a lot of different kinds of peace that are not God's peace. And they sure aren't quiet and rest, I promise you that. In fact, they're usually pretty loud, pretty vocal, and pretty chaotic. There's this peace that is more of an insulation that people try to get from being hurt, get their feelings hurt, or from being, uh, being offended. And they build this wall around themselves and they say, I don't want anybody in my life, I don't want anybody to offend me. They get angry if somebody offends you. That, that's one of those kinds of peace. That's not peace. Then there's this there's this. Uh, Peace that's an insulation by financial, uh, just insulating me from financial sorrow and struggle. Yeah, they, the super rich people have this kind of peace because they don't ever have to worry about money. They just jet around and go wherever they want, go to whichever house they want to go to. And they jet around, have, have a lot of good time. They, they lack nothing of material value, none. They don't worry about money. And that does bring them a measure of peace in one area. But most of them are more miserable than most of the people on welfare. And it's true. You know why? Because their peace is dependent, totally dependent upon economic conditions, about what the economy does, economic performance. Because money cannot buy everything. It's a fake peace. It's a fake peace. There's this story about a, uh, an old cobbler, an old shoe cobbler, and um, he, was, uh, he worked real hard, had a little family, and he worked real hard. And one day, a, a rich man came in that was one of his customers and said, how much money do you make every year? How much money do you earn? He said, 
Well, I, I, I make just enough to, to make ends meet for my family. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. That's such a terrible way to live. I'm so sorry for you. And he said, that's oh, okay. I, we, we're doing fine. I've, I've lived in it all my life. It's okay. The next day, the rich guy walks in with a big old bag. Said, hey, look, man. I've got in this bag $10,000. And I want to give this to you to erase all your worry, <laughs> to make sure you don't have to worry and, and struggle anymore. I just want you to take this. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I can't. I can't take that. He goes, no, 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 I want you to. It can help you in times of, of struggle, okay? And, and I'll be there to advise you if you need to help how to spend it or whatever. I'll be glad to help you. He said, wow, that's amazing. So he goes home and he tells his family and they, they never had that kind of money. They had no idea what to do with it and he didn't know what to do with it and he got to worrying about what to do with it. And so he decided, I, I, I'll hide it under the bed. No, well, I... I'll hide it here and I'll hide it there. And finally, he just went out in the backyard and dug a hole and put it in the hole and buried it. And he, and he walked in the house and, and, and he thought, oh my, what if somebody saw me digging the hole? They're gonna come try to dig it up. And so he began to worry day after day of what if somebody tries to steal it? And then he started noticing his neighbors were in the backyard morning. He thought, what if they saw me and they're gonna go out there and steal it? My kind little neighbors, they're probably thieves. And they're gonna come take it. So he, he, he dug another hole, moved it to another place. And, 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 and at night, he would think, oh, what, what am I going to do? He said, what am I going to do? You know what? If I, if I don't spend it right, what if that rich man comes and frowns on the way I'm spending it? And what, what, if, what if that happens? Or, or I, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. I, I'm afraid that it might run out too quick. I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with it. And finally, one day, he said, what in the world am I doing? He said, I got money, but I have no peace whatsoever. So he, he dug it up. He went to the rich man's house and said, hey, guy, you can have this back. He said, oh, no, 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 I don't want you to get it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, why? He said, because my kids are already arguing over who's going to get it when I die. He said, I, I, I found out I have money, but I have no peace. And I think I choose the peace over the money. You know what? There are a lot of people that feel that way, that are rich right now, but they're too afraid to let go of it. It's true. Did you know that, this is a fact, 70% of people who win a big lottery amount are bankrupt in five years. 70% and 85% have a broken family as a result. That's not peace. Financial security is not peace. That's for sure. Then there's some people that seek a, a freedom from from being corrected. They don't want anybody to tell them no, and they call that peace, you know? They, they, don't, they don't want to be told no about anything or any sin they, they try to do. They get mad if you won't celebrate with them in the middle of their sin. They get mad. They want you to affirm everything that they do, no matter what it is. They're angry, and they lose their peace, and they, they become anxious because they, they, they feel like everybody's against them now because they don't agree with me. And, and it's, 
they do whatever they wish and they don't understand why people won't celebrate with them. That's not God's peace. Then there's this ugly kind of peace. It's a terrible, ugly peace. It's a peace that's a seared heart that doesn't care anymore, that doesn't feel any guilt anymore, that doesn't feel anything anymore. It's a hardened conscience of someone who's so used to sin, so used to things that nothing bothers them anymore. Their conscience has lost its power to alarm them that something's up. Nothing bothers them. It's, it's the peace that pickpockets have, you know? It's the peace that credit card fraudsters have when they just, uh, people they don't see, they just steal money from the, from the credit cards online. It's, it's the peace that flash mobs try. They just go in and steal it and say, well, if they're dumb enough for me to get to steal it, then it's their fault. And they sort of just put it in the back of their head and they don't worry about it anymore. It's the peace that a serial murderer has. Oh, that's just one more murder. It's the false peace that abortion clinics promise. It's the peace that alcohol and drugs give to silence the guilt. But folks, it may silence the guilt, but it doesn't get rid of the guilt because the guilt's still there. It's not gone. That's not peace. God's peace is not like any peace the world has to offer. Those, those, those kinds of peace just do not last. God's peace overshadows and drives away anxiety and worry of this world. It means quietness and rest. It gives rest instead of restlessness. It gives calm instead of confusion. It gives a depth of trust in God that becomes an anchor no matter what the storm is that comes in your, in your way. It's true. God's peace is different. So here's the second part of the verse, which transcends all understanding. You know, um, uh, we sort of understand this right now above any other time at Kingwood Church with the death of Stacy. Uh, Stacy's been sick for a long, long time. And uh, so a question that comes up is why? Did you know that's what that word when it says transcends all understanding? That word understanding is a Greek word for why. Why? I want to understand why. We don't really understand why. And we ask the question sometimes. We, we don't understand why. We ask the questions, why did this happen to a lovely young lady? We have to ask ourselves that question. That's okay to ask. But we don't always have to understand the whys. Sometimes God reveals why. But sometimes he doesn't. He loves it when he doesn't have to reveal it to us. That our trust is so deep, we just keep trusting him in the middle of it all. That's the truth. So what do we say today? Why? Why, God? Why did you not heal her the way we prayed that you would? Did God let us down? Did God let Stacy down? If we ask her right now, what would she say? Let me tell you what, that sweet girl is in the presence of the Lord and there's not one complaint. She's not up there going, God, why didn't you do this? Not one. Not one. God loves it when we 
don't have to be given proof for anything, but we trust his goodness and his grace is enough to keep us. That's, that's important that we do that, important that we learn. That's part of peace. Understanding the why will not bring you peace. It might even bring you more anxiety. It reaches above the need for proof. It sounds ludicrous to this world, doesn't it? But we know what it's like in the kingdom of God for God to give us a deep peace that goes beyond our understanding. Years ago when I was a youth pastor and I was first here at Kingwood and Stacy was a little girl, (laughs) I used to go pick her up um, from the school bus when school bus would let her off at Pastor Ron's house if he was somewhere or in a meeting or whatever, I'd go pick her up and bring her to the church. And uh, it was in those days, I used, to, I used to not be sure about what I should do. And I would go over to Kenneth Standifer's house. Kenneth Standifer was a, an older man in the church. He was an incredible guy. Still got family sitting in here tonight, today. And uh, I would go over there. He was usually in his garden and I uh, had his overalls on. And I especially went during turnip green season because he would give me some. And, uh, and so I, I would go out there and I'd ask Brother Kenneth. And he would always say, well... Brother Mark, do you have a peace about it? Do you have a peace? You can always trust it when you pray about it and wait a little while. You just get this peace on the inside. Folks, that sounds ludicrous to the world, but it's the truth. And I've, I've tried to live my life with that. It goes beyond human reasoning, totally beyond human understanding. It moves beyond that and goes to the heart of what Jesus said in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Notice he said troubled and afraid. Troubled is when we get mad because we want to know why. And afraid is when we do know why and we wonder what's on, around the next corner. He said, don't let your hearts be either one because I'm going to give you my peace. Seems to be the same sort of peace that Paul was talking about when he wrote this. He was in jail, remember? He had no idea what was going to happen, but he just let God give him peace. It's the same thing in Romans where Paul wrote this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God will work it out. How? I don't know. God will work it out. God knows how to work it out. Why don't we go to him first? Why not him first? Why not trust him totally? God will work it out. Here's the part. That's the third part of it. I love this. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's interesting there that Paul uses this specific word, guard. And it's the word, in the Greek language, it's the word that is a a sentry, a guard that stands at a door. It would be like a, a Roman soldier that was standing at the door of the prison and he had a weapon with him. That's the century. He guards what goes in and out. And he said that God's peace, God's peace will be the guard 
that stands and guards your heart and your mind. Not just your heart, not just your mind, but your heart and your mind. Now, the fact that he used those two words, heart and mind, are also not a strange thing. Here's what those words mean. The word heart is the word cardia. I bet you didn't know that was your cardiac. That's your heart, okay? Cardia. And it means your emotions. It means your feelings. It, it means those, you know, that emotion and feeling that change a lot. God says, let me, let my peace be the guard of your feelings instead of you taking your feelings at face value. And then that word mind, noma, noma means logic, reasoning. He says, let me be the guard of that. Let me, let me give an example of that. Let's say, let's say one morning you wake up and, and, and you've got a tummy ache and you've, and it's sort of the, the, your stomach's been, a stomach, your stomach has been like uh, hurting you for a little while and maybe you had a little bit of it yesterday and all of a sudden the enemy lies to you and says, you probably have cancer of the stomach. Now, you laugh, but let me tell you, everybody has thought these kind of things. <laughs> everybody's going, yeah, yeah, okay. So, uh, so, you know, is it acid reflux or is it cancer? You know, let's go all the way to it. And so that, that lie builds up and all of a sudden, excuse me, all of a sudden we have this worry. We have this worry and this worry. And the peace of God stands at the door and goes, uh-uh, don't let, that is completely a lie of the devil. Stop it. That's the peace of God trying to tell you that. But oh no, we want to believe that. We just want to believe we will go over it and go to bed at night. You're going, God, I hope I don't wake up in the morning with my stomach hurting again because I'm going to know it's what it is. You ever done that? Yes, I've done that. I've had all kinds of diseases. God says he wants to guard that part. But you know what? What about that logic part? What about when you go to the doctor and you find out and he diagnoses you and says, you have this? Let's say he says, you have, you have cancer. Then all of a sudden, the old the fear comes up, but then logic goes, go look up how many people die from this and how long they can live. Go look and see what the statistics are. And all of a sudden, you become the prisoner to the facts, to the science. Trust the science. God's going, I invented the science. How about going through me first? How about going through me first? The peace of God guards your heart and your mind if you let him stand guard. If you let him stand guard. When we stand unguarded, we allow lies to come in and we allow ourselves so much worry and anxiety. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to be your guard, it changes everything. Let me give you a definition for anxiety. <laughs> anxiety, attempting to carry a burden that only God can carry. Isn't it weird that here we are in fourth sermon about anxiety and we're just now defining it for you. Anxiety, attempting to carry a burden that only God can carry. I happen to have with me a burden. It's my backpack. And oh, I'm going to put that backpack on my back. As you can see, it's sagging off my back. This, thing, this thing's pretty heavy. This thing's pretty heavy. Some of, you, some of you 
teenagers go to school with that many books in there. I understand. It's not good for your back, by the way. So why am I carrying around this heavy burden? Why am I carrying this around? Let me, let me sort of look and see, see what's in here. Well, first of all, it appears that part of that is this big old bag of stuff called feelings. Look at here. Oh, they change every minute, but feelings. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not guarding my heart. I'm gonna carry these things around. This is the burden I'm gonna carry, my feelings. That's not the only thing in there. I'm gonna put it back because I sure don't wanna lose that. Oh yeah, stone cold hard logic. Logic, just yeah, this is reason, this is science, buddy. I'm on, you know what? I carry those things around in, that, in that, that backpack of mine. It's just more than I can carry. And some of you have been carrying those kind of things around all your life, carrying them around. Those things are not meant for you to carry. They're a burden that God said, give to me. Anxiety is attempted to carry a burden that only God can carry. Your mind and your heart will wallow in fear and all kind of stuff if you keep carrying that burden today. But here's the definition of peace. Ready for this one? Peace. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Let me tell you who owns this. Jesus owns this burden. He died for this burden. What are you doing trying to bear it? Jesus died to take this burden away from you. Why would you want to have to bear it? Do you think you're God and you can handle it? No, you can't. I can't either. It's too much for me. He bought our peace. How about that? He bought our peace. The scripture says that. It's his burden, not yours. Are you experiencing God's peace? Or are you completely ruled by anxiety and worry? Do you lay in bed at night with your mind just going around and around of the what ifs and the what ifs and the what ifs and your heart just beats more and more and more till you have to sedate yourself just to sleep? It's time for you to let your burdens be given to the Lord. Are you allowing God to carry your burdens? Are you trying to do his job for him? That's not your place. That's not my place. My place is to give it to him. Our, our worship team's coming. And they're going um, to sing a song. Just a minute.